So um, the theme for these two weeks is hearing God's voice, and I'll just say a few words, and then I've asked Tony Hunthausen to share a story when God spoke to him. We are a part of a community, of the, the, especially as we've seen in the Curcio community, that expects God to talk to us. If you've ever been a part of Curcio, you know, if you're the rector or the rector, you ask God for a theme for that weekend. And they pray over who's going to be there. They trust that God is leading people to come. They, they have 24-7 prayer during the weekend and listen to God. He, and people are, the cooks, the big part of what they do is to pray for all the guests or the pilgrims. And they're always listening. What, God, what are you saying? Where are you leading us? What are you doing? So this is definitely a part of the infrastructure of grace. But I believe that it's the greatest tool that we can have as disciples of Jesus. Remember that Jesus did not come to make Christians out of us. He came to make disciples. And disciples that do what he did and talk to the Father like he did. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Now, when we talk about hearing God's voice, um, we have, you know, we've heard some pretty flaky <laughs> um, testimonies, maybe, of what God told them. And, you know, the God will never tell you to hate your neighbor. I mean, we got that one down. There's things God will never say. In fact, I, I have fun keeping track of some prophecies called prophecy bloopers. Prophecies when God speaks a word to to a community, and this was a church where they had a guest who, I wonder if it's a true story, but the person who wrote it says it is, but this guest came to like they were coming to Grace Today, and they stood and gave a prophetic word about that church, and what they wanted to say that God's presence has left this church, and they want the word, they heard God saying, God, is, <laughs> God has written the word Ichabod over this place, <laughs> but instead she should have, she stood up and said the words, God has written the word Michelob. <laughs> kind of like that word over this faith. So we, uh, we have the honor of hearing a story of how God spoke to Tony. And so, Tony, you come on up. Tony, would you believe just this week his book came out. Give us, come and give us a title. He published, authored a book. This is really something. Wow. Let's give him a hand for Tony. Thank you, Joe. I, <clears throat> briefly, because I'm not here to talk about my book, but it's called Underwater and Overextended, question mark. And it's, uh, uh, to, uh, it's written to uh, folks, and the, the subtitle is Safeguard Your Future When Your Home is Worth Less Than You Owe the Bank. So it's about that. But anyway, um, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be up here today. I know that m many of you know as, as, as we grow older in our faith and hopefully mature in our faith, and we listen, we hear that s still small voice that Joe's probably going to talk about, and that's mostly what we hear. And um, oftentimes, you know, sometimes he speaks to us a little louder, but oftentimes as we move on in life, society and, and, uh, and Hollywood and all those places, they have a different message for us than what God is trying to tell us. And so, I think it's important. That's why prayer is so important, reading the scriptures and listening. And that's why it's important for me to tell this story um, over and over because it brings it back to me and it helps me to hear what God was telling me. And hopefully I'll get through it. Usually about 80% of the time that I've told this story, I kind of get a little emotional. So forgive me if that happens. But 
Anyway, those of you who, many of you know, uh, some of you know, uh, that back in 1998, my son Drew became ill with bacterial meningitis. He was 11 and a half. And um, that particular illness, uh, there is about a 30% death rate, and those that survive are oftentimes very debilitated. And Drew, we don't know why people get it, but anyway, he's in the hospital, and we were about 10 days out from when he went in. And I'm going to, uh, I have so many things I love to tell you, but Joe reminded me that he's doing the sermon today, and please be sure. So I'll try and get to the point. So we're, we're about 10 days out, and we had just been in a family meeting where the neurologist was one of the people reporting, and she said to us, your son is either going to die or he'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. So that sets the stage for me being in this little small room that they give to the parents of the sickest kids that you can stay overnight. It was my turn. Jan was at home. My wife Jan was at home with her other two kids. And so I'm there. It's about 1.32 in the morning, and and I'm reading the scriptures. I have my Bible. It was this Bible right here. And I, for some reason, God kept drawing me back to Romans 8.28, where it says, my Bible says, we know that God makes all things work together for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his decree. And I kept being drawn back to that. And I, you know, this, this time I was really, I was angry at God and I was confused and was like, how can this be? My son is dying in the other room and I'm reading this promise you say you give us that we know that all, God makes all things work together for the good. And I'm wondering how. In this particular time that I'm looking at my Bible, and they're not right now, but that night, the words, those who love him, looked like they were highlighted in yellow. And I, and I just, it, it was really weird. I can still see it in my mind's eye. They're highlighted in yellow. And I'm, I think I was on my knees, and I, I looked up and I said to God, I said, God, what do you want from me? I don't know why I said that. I still don't know why I said that. But I did. And I don't know if I said it out loud. I can't remember, but I said it. And immediately, in my spirit, as loud as you could imagine hearing anything other than maybe Moses, you know, and the burning bush, in my spirit, what I heard, my son's laying dying in the other room, and God says to me, I want you. And it is just amazing to me that, that, that he said that because it became immediately apparent to me what the meaning of the scripture is. And, and that would be my message from it today was that we're all going through stuff. You may be losing a job. You may have a, a child dying. You may be battling cancer. You may have had all kinds of things that you're dealing with in your family. And, and think about what those things are. And then think what, what is God saying to you in the middle of all that? He's saying, I want you. He's saying, if, and here's his promise. You keep your eyes on me, and all things will work together for the good. So that's the message he gives us. And um, I appreciate, Joe, you, you letting me share it. It was important to me. And the beautiful part of that story that those of you who, who know our family is that uh, Drew ended up with 
some significant disabilities. He didn't die. He's blind. He doesn't hear out of this ear. He's hearing impaired in this ear. Two weeks ago, he graduated from Cal State University, Long Beach. <laughs> So he'll be here next service. And anyway, Joe, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share it. And um, uh, uh, I hope it was, it was helpful for your, your sermon. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Because, you know, this prayer thing, it's so important. That was what was going on that night. We had people, we, we've, we determined that we had people in 13 countries praying for Drew. It was unbelievable. I mean, we had Jewish synagogues. We had every, and, and, and so that prayer had a lot to do with God talking to me. I know it did. How many of you were praying for Drew? I know some of you were. Yeah? Quite a few. Let's give Tony another hand. Yeah. told this story recently, uh, wrote it on Facebook. If we were to gather together, it's similar to what Tony was hearing from God. If we were gathering this morning and we all asked God this question, what do you want from us? And another way of saying what Tony said, I believe he says, I want to love you. Will you give me permission to love you? I did a wedding a couple weeks ago north of Sacramento and I thought, yeah, really, that's what doing the wedding vows is. When we say, I take you for better, for worse, richer, for poor, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish, till death parts us, that is really asking the, uh, the other person for permission for that person to love me and let me love them. And so, God, I pray that you'll experience his love this morning as I teach on this. You can take your notes uh, out. There is some... Uh, Insert in your bulletin called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Friendship with God. Well, the scripture basis for this, you can put on, you have that on the slide. Um, I've got two scriptures. The first one is from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Let's go back to the scriptures. Uh, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And then from the Gospel of John, the man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, <clears throat> and they follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From your notes, uh, point number one. Hearing God is simply a way, short way of talking about a conversational, if you in your notes, would you? put in parentheses after relationship of friendship with each person in the community of the Trinity. <laughs> I, um, I've taught on this recently, and, and so I also, if you'll have your, 
in your notes, you'll see these words. I am an unceasing spiritual being created for an intimate and transforming friendship with the creative community that is the Trinity. We never die. Our brain dies, but we as a person continue on for eternity, forever. Now eternity, I think, we could call eternity eternal living. We begin that today. But in this friendship, we experience uh, what it's like to be a part of this community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the first person that we start talking to most likely is Jesus. Believing, putting our trust in Jesus. A couple stories about that. When I taught the Alpha course in my previous congregation in the White Mountains of Arizona, we had three doctors involved in this one course. One was my associate, Dr. Roberto Maria, was an ER doc. And the other was our family doctor, or in that family clinic where we went, and he was in the course. And another one was a hip doctor, whatever you call that guy that changes hips and um, gives you new ones. Orthopedist, is that it? And um, so it was quite an amazing group. So one of the, this one doctor shared uh, one evening at his experience. He said, when I left the course that night, and I got in my car, I was an unbeliever. When I got out of the car, when I arrived at home, I was a believer. He came to believe, as we say in the 12 steps, that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to, to sanity. So came to believe. I became a believer. Mainly, it could be with God, but we came to believe Jesus is loves us and that he died for our sins and he gives us the gift of eternal life. C.S. Lewis tells the story that he was riding on a motorbike with his brother and there was this side seat that he sat in. And he said when he got into that side seat with his brother, he was not a Christian. Well, <laughs> that doesn't sound good, huh? But after riding with his brother for a while, <laughs> when he got out of the, that seat, he was a Christian. Now, it might have had to do with his brother's driving, right? But uh, he had come to believe. He, and so that's where we begin this relationship of hearing God. We come to believe in God or believe in Jesus. Put our trust and confidence in Jesus. That's what faith is. We begin that conversational relationship. And we become best friends. If you were to ask, uh, is Jesus if I were to ask you, is Jesus your friend? Oh, yeah. And you know me. I like to say he's my best friend. And the Holy Spirit is my best friend. And Abba Father is my best friend. And Jesus in John 15 says, yeah, I don't, you're not slaves because slaves don't know what their master is doing, but you're my friends. You, we cooperate together. We are yoked to Jesus. That's what it means. I cooperate with Jesus in this friendship. And it's an ongoing conversation. Now, like in a conversation, we don't talk all the time. We listen. Listening is good. Um, and so I'll, I'll be teaching today and also next weekend some practical ways that we listen to God. So we begin becoming a friend of Jesus. That's how God starts the whole story by a conversation, doesn't he? He says to Adam, what does he ask him? Where are you? <laughs> now, God can choose to limit what he knows, so it's possible he didn't know where Adam was. But he finds him. Then he has this chatty conversation with Cain. You know, you got a big thing facing you, Cain, but you can do it. You don't have to 
kill, you don't have to murder, you don't have to hate. And so he's, we have this ongoing conversation with God. Point number two, how can we be sure God is speaking to us? And we learn by, is we learn by experience. That's how the sheep know a master, the shepherd. They, they've got experience hearing the shepherd's voice. And we'll talk about the importance of that voice. What's it like? What does it sound like? Now when we hear that voice, we know from 1 Corinthians 13, we see in a mirror dimly, then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as we are fully understood. So when we hear from God, it's not like I'm infallible. God is infallible, but I'm not. So it's like I may hear in part. So I ask God for more. I need you to keep talking to me about this. There are different ways to do that. When I went to Bible school in Teaneck, New Jersey, it's a Lutheran Bible school, I read the book The Cross and the Switchblade by Dave Wilkerson. Anybody read that book? He was the one that started Teen Challenge. And he just died recently. I think it was a car accident. But he's a, he's a hero of the faith for me. And so I read that book and I said, man, you know, because he talks about how God spoke to him about going to Brooklyn and working with these kids. He saw a Life magazine picture of these, ch these children, young people suffering in the inner city. And he heard God say, go to, go to Brooklyn, basically. And so as a voice that stirs, uh, those stories stir us to believe that God speaks to us, that we can have a conversation, that we hear his voice. So I got excited. I found out what his phone number was, and I called him up. <laughs> I'm Joe Johnson, a Bible student, and I believe God has called me to work for Teen Challenge. I can't believe my <laughs> boldness, but um, he says, uh, uh, he asked me a couple of questions, and he says, uh, this is your homework. We're gonna, you're going to pray one hour a day for one month. And just ask God if this is what he wants you to do. Have you prayed for a whole hour? It's a long time. <laughs> I kept looking at my watch. Five more minutes. <laughs> but I did it. And I sensed God wasn't calling me. I don't know exactly how that happened. But that was my, one of my first experiences about, about hearing God's voice. Now, I've got some other experiences. Maybe I'll tell you one more. Um, I was pastoring at Christ Lutheran in Long Beach in the 70s. And I had a dream. Now, I'll talk about that next week, how God speaks to us in dreams. But in the dream, dreams are so funny. The altar guild of the church comes to me. <laughs> and they said, Joe, we need a baseball bat. <laughs> Guys, this is funny. Um, <laughs> now, George and I had, it's one of the best years I had pastoring. Seven years, my brother and I were pastoring together. Great time. Some of you know my brother. And, and in the dream, no, this is, when I woke up that morning, I remember hearing this question. Oh, after the altar guilds said, I want a baseball bat, we want you to find it. My, I answered in the dream, let George do it. <laughs> and so that next morning I woke up and here's what I sense. I sang. Joe, how long are you going to let George do it? And that was kind of a release from the call to Christ Lutheran, that God had called me to, to go on my own, to get a vision for a church. And I, la I stayed there for 25 years. And it was a great experience of just not letting George do it. <laughs> but I got to get a vision for myself. Number three in your outline, how we see God is the key for hearing God. 
All human troubles come with thinking about God wrongly. This is probably illustrated as well as any place as in the book, The Shack. Has the book been out a while? Anybody read The Shack? A number of you. It's still a good book to read. This, the, the author tells kind of autobiographical story, uh, and, and, and he dramatizes it, makes a fiction out of it. It's about a man who's a truck driver whose five-year-old daughter was brutally raped and murdered. And he is very angry with God. And he accuses God of being not, not being good. And that is, when we start accusing God, if we start with accusing God when we're talking to him, we're, it's going to hurt our relationship to him. But we can be angry. As Tony shared, I was angry. We tell God that. So we wrestle with God. But God appears to, to, the, to the person in the, in the story, you know, as an African-American woman named Abba, <laughs> So that'll get you going. But what happened in the story that, that helped him to hear God's voice was that he repented. Lord, forgive me for accusing you of being unloving. And that was a turning point in his life. And then I mentioned in your notes uh, to look to Matthew and the story of the, of the man with five, two, there were three people that were given talents, five, two, and one. You could call it, it could be money. Now we might say that, but the problem with the one-talent person was that he had a wrong view of God. Remember when the, when the person who gave him the talents came to see what he had done with it, he had buried it? Because, and this is what he says, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now his thinking seems to be this. I didn't do anything wrong. But in doing no wrong, that was the greatest wrong he did. By not taking the initiative. Not taking part in what his master was doing. And so we, what we do when we hear God is kind of like he gives us space. He doesn't force us to do something. He doesn't argue with us. When you hear God's voice... The still small voice, it's more of a, a gentle whisper as Elijah experienced. And so God doesn't tell these three people how to invest their talents. And that's kind of like God too. He, it's like your children. You don't have to tell them, you know, give them the schedule 24 hours. You're going to sleep, you're going to eat, you're going to play. Although there may be some schedule, but we trust our kids to, and that they're, they're enjoying themselves, they're learning. And God, in giving us direction, and being with us is not giving us specific things how to do that are just common sense. But it starts with having a relationship with God in which we declare God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Now, we don't pretend now, as I'll talk later, that we're not suffering and that we have questions or that we're angry, but we can declare that. Number four in your outline. The still small voice is the most common way God speaks to us. And this is a familiar story. Remember Elijah was, was tired from battling these prophets of Baal and Jezebel was not happy at all, wanted to kill him, so he takes off after he actually has a victory over these 500 prophets and he calls down fire from heaven. He's got a story to tell, but he runs and he finds a cave and he um, actually goes to sleep. 
So I call my, my naps, I call Elijah disciplines. <laughs> you want to take a nap in the middle of the day? Just say to your secretary, I'm taking an Elijah discipline. Um, and he wakes up and actually goes to sleep again. And then the whole Lord passes by with him in the cave. And I'm reading from 1 Kings. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not on the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice or a gentle whisper. Now how do we distinguish the voice of God? If you look in your notes, there are three things that are important and distinguish the voice of God, but also any human voice. The quality or the tone, the spirit of God's voice, or the content or the impressions of the spirit and the content. Recently I heard, well I'll read from your notes, so I'm gonna make sure you, you read these from the notes. Quality, the tone of God's voice, it comes with a weight of authority. If it impresses us, our inner being seems to say yes, yes, this is true and right. We often quite surprised by it. We do not sense it coming from us. When Jesus spoke, his words had a weight of authority that created faith in his hearers. Recently I heard God in the night speak to me. It's a word about what's going on in my life right now. And I'm not sure how it came to me, but I know in John or in Psalm 16 it says, I, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. My heart also instructs me. Psalm 16, verse 7. I set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my soul rejoices, my body rests secure. So this promise, in the night, my heart also instructs me. So I, I heard God saying this word to me, and in the morning I woke up, it's right. Yes, I agree. I know that's true, what God said. And so that's something about hearing God's voice. You have a sense that... Uh, it has authority and that we agree with it. So often we don't come off expecting it. I didn't expect God to speak to me that night. Another quality of the voice or a part of the, the voice that distinguish it, distinguishes it as God's voice is the spirit of the voice. It comes with peace. I really have a sense of peace about this. You've, you've said that, right? I just, I have a peace. This is what God wants me to do. And then the content, of course, the content is always going to be... Um, Go along with the word, that, the word of God, the consistent with the truth about God's, the truths about God's nature and kingdom. Now, when we, the problem with, as we look at these next number five, I'll talk to you about the voice or the word of God, and the voice, and the word of God. Keep next note number five. Uh, there's three lights. This is from F. E. Meyer. He's written a book called *Surge of for Guidance*, and he says. When you're looking for, to know how God speaks to you or how you can hear God's voice, he said there are three lights to look for, three ways that God will speak to you. And it's important that all three of these line up. And, and you could add a fourth. You know, when you're wondering about doing something, pray that someone who knows nothing about what you're asking God will confirm it for you. It's kind of an experiment. But we use the GPS navigation system in hearing God's voice, identifying it. How many have a GPS? How many like to hear that woman say recalculating? 
<laughs> it's fun to be mad at somebody sometimes. So, And so GPS, it's our, how do we navigate this whole journey of hearing God's voice? Well, we start with God's word for G, the Bible. This is not in your notes. This is just on the screen, so you might want to write these down in your notes. It's a, it's a helpful acronym to remember. The scriptures. God speaks through the scriptures. We study, we meditate, we memorize the scripture. Now, the scripture in itself may not, uh, is limited by how we interpret it. And what we see in the scripture has a lot to do with who we are. <laughs> A jackass will not look in the mirror and see an apostle looking out at him. Uh, that was a little bit raw, I guess. But um, maybe we should, we should say an elephant will not look in the mirror and see an apostle looking out at him. What we look and see in the, in the scriptures often is a mirror of what we want God to tell us or how we interpret that word. That's why we need the community when we go to the scriptures. We need to understand that the scripture provides us principles. If you find something in the Bible only once, then you probably don't have to take it as seriously if you find it over and over again. Like God, that we need to baptize the dead for the dead, uh, which one group in our culture believes. Well, that's the only place, and I think you can interpret it another way. So here we have the problem when we come to the Word. But there's some simple, obvious things in the Scripture, interpret Scripture. And I talked last time I preached about the whole problem of divorce, and how do you do that one? Well, you take the words about divorce along with Jesus' command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you're not going to have anything to, to, to be alive with to give to the person you, you're married to. That's a prior, I think that's a, that command takes priority. P in the GPS navigation system is providence or circumstances. And we look to God provides circumstances that um, in our life arranges things providentially. And so that helps us hear God's voice when we're actually you see in all of this, we can have these three things lining up, these three lights, God's word, providence, and the spirit impressions. But the key is we're still in all of this. We're listening for God's small, still small voice. We need to know that voice confirm in our hearts, impress in our hearts, that spirit impression. And when we say God speaks to us, we're talking about having a thought. I had a thought when I was, after two years in college, Joe, you need, I want you to go to Bible school for a year. So I went to Teaneck. New Jersey, I went back to college after that. But I had a piano teacher, Mr. Hene, and he really wanted me to, to uh, keep coming to college and taking piano, and, and he, he had not a clue what it was for me to hear God tell me to go to Bible school. Just didn't understand that. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> so I said, God told me. Well, that kind of ended the conversation when you say that. Okay, number six, mentors help us to recognize God's voice. From 1 Samuel, then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One of our fun Sunday school stories. You realize that in that day, they really didn't have much experience when Samuel was in the temple with Eli. They hadn't heard God for a long time. He hadn't spoken to them. 
And so he hears like an audible voice, Samuel, must be Eli. Goes to Eli and says, uh, what did he tell him? Ask him. He just said, did you call me? That's it. He asked Eli, you must have called me. No, go back to sleep. Second time, Samuel runs over to Eli. He's a young boy. Must be Samuel calling his name. No, then, then, but Eli calling his name. So Eli finally says, when, he, when you hear your name a third time, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So we need people like Eli. Have you got an Eli in your life? Who are your mentors? who help you understand this is God speaking to you. God's spirit is at work in your life. And what's he saying to you? And uh, they can confirm it. The, the Quakers have something called a clearing committee. And if you have a question about what's happening in your life, where is God at work, what's he doing, a clearing committee comes and meets with you. It's like a small group. And they just ask you questions to clear your mind, to help you look at what you're what this decision means for you, or what God is saying to you. We need a safe place to practice hearing from God. So in my band of brothers, I'll periodically, I'd say, what's Jesus saying to you? What's, what's God doing in your life? What's the last thing God told you to do? Well, some things you just know, your body, your body tells you already. You didn't have to decide this morning to go to church, most of you probably, right? Well... You had to get up first, but so well, there are some things that we don't have to ask God for, but as we hear God's voice, what we say, has he called you to do this? And, um, you know, Pastor Chris is so good at, you know, wanting everyone on staff, wanting people in this church to know that God has called them to do this. God has called you to be a part of grace, to partner with this group. But we, we need others to help us, guide us. If, I think it's probably the most important tool in your toolbox as a disciple of Jesus is to hear God's voice and, uh, and to listen and ask him what he's saying. Now, number seven, God, in order to hear God's voice, it requires humility. And um, I'm going to read from your notes. God will gladly give humility to us. <laughs> That's kind of a no-brainer. If, trusting and waiting on him to act, we refrain from doing three things. Pretending we are what we know we are not. No posing. No getting spiritual. No believing it's, it's based on, my hearing God's voice is based on my performance. It's, and it's based on Jesus.